Hello and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. some kind of technical difficulty so we're just going to take a second and see if we can figure it out push play and see if it plays Lord might give us an opportunity to make good on what I was just talking about come altar time It's fine. All right. I want to preach to us today on a... I tried to think of a real catchy title for this and couldn't do it. So I'm just going to preach on three things. Unrighteousness, self-righteousness, and true righteousness. Unrighteousness, self-righteousness, and true righteousness. Um, If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along today, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. And then we're going to read a, a passage from 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians as we make our way through. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter number 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through verse 9. So Isaiah chapter number 6, verses 1 through 9. I hear pages going. Are we there? All right. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs 
from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And I'll read the first part of verse 9. It says, And he said, Go, tell this people. He continues to give Isaiah a specific message. Um, before we dive into God's Word, I need some help on a simple, simple thing. And it's not a trick, I promise. I'm not trying to mess with you today, but we're going to figure some stuff out. What color is this? Green. This is green. What color is this? This is black. What color is this? Green, black, purple. Uh, what color is this? Green, black, purple, white. We'll use the back side. What color is this? Blue. Man, we're, I bet they're not having this much fun in Sunday school. What color is this? Yellow. Yellow. Last one? Orange. And if you're me, you say orange. <laughs> My wife gives me a lot of grief about that one, but that's just how I say it. So, all of you know I've missed two weeks now. Um, my family had COVID, and thank God, not, not being facetious, I really do thank God it was very light. We had symptoms for about two days apiece, and it was really, it, it felt like a sinus infection. If all of this wasn't going on, I would have thought it was a sinus infection. Um, but my wife was tested, she was positive, and we all had the same symptoms, so we followed protocol. Uh, there were some blessings in receiving this infection. That's a weird way to look at things, but there was a blessing, number one, of precise knowledge. Because with all of this junk going around, every time you have to clear your throat, something in the back of your mind is like, I wonder if I have COVID. <laughs> no, it was just dusty in the room. Just, but there's, there's this nagging feeling like, is this it? Is this the day that I, I finally get COVID? And there's all the wondering and there's all the worry and, and the stress. So it was a blessing to have precise knowledge. And I don't, I am, I'm not going there today. I don't know how precise the knowledge was. The test was positive. Okay? Whatever you want to put into that, you can. For us, it was precise knowledge. There was following the precise knowledge, professional instruction. Everybody is an expert all of a sudden, myself included. I, have, I am guilty of speaking with medical uh, knowledge that I do not have. Well, what people need to do... No, wait a minute, stop. Like, you don't have a medical degree. I don't know that the people that have a medical degree know exactly what's going on. But all of a sudden, we're all experts. But following... Our precise knowledge, we received professional instruction. They, they contacted us and they said, what, what we think you should do, and I appreciated them actually saying it that way, is you should quarantine for 10 days 
from the onset of your symptoms. So we said, okay, you're supposed to be the professional. That's, we're going to play by the rules. That's what we're going to do. We had precise information. We had professional instruction. And now that it's over, the greatest blessing of all is we have renewed personal interactions. Because before, I mean, you see it. I've, I left mine over there. I promise I am trying. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable with the mask thing. But like everywhere you go, personal interactions are at like the bottom of the barrel. People don't talk to each other. People don't interact with one another. They don't, they don't really shake hands. You know, all these elbow things and fist bumps and just weird stuff. It, the personal interaction is, is gone. And so there's something so nice about knowing that I've already had it. I've already been infected. So I don't care now. I'll hug your neck. I didn't really care before. I'll give you a big hug this morning. I'll shake your hand. You know, I'll help you wipe the... I'll, I'll wipe Joshua's nose if we need to. I, I'm not worried about it any longer because I was already infected. I, I had the COVID, as people say. That sounds about like the Walmart. I'm not sure if I can say it that way yet. But I, I had it. I was infected. I'm not worried about it any longer. I'm going to read a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. And it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He's asking a rhetorical question. He says, Don't you know that unrighteous people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God? He goes on to say, Be not deceived. And then he starts to identify just what unrighteousness looks like. He says, Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And if you were to keep reading into verse 10, the list just goes on and on. I've got what may seem like bad news to start this message off today, and that is, you've been infected. You, you have been infected. Now, this is the, the precise knowledge. It's important for you to know. It's actually a blessing to come to grips with the fact that you have been infected with this thing called unrighteousness. If we are truly facing a pandemic, it's not one that can be solved with medical resources. We are facing a pandemic of unrighteousness. If we're infected, the scripture that we just read says we cannot make heaven our home. We cannot he says, unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not going to be there. Isaiah, prior to his encounter in this passage that we, we opened up with, would have said of himself that he was a righteous man. When you read about Isaiah, he was a good dude. He was a prophet, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was, was in a pretty good place, he felt like, I have to imagine. Compared to those around him, he was doing all right. He was, he was doing all right. The Scripture gives us clear warning about that kind of approach to righteousness, though. See, compared to those around him, he was doing all right. But 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number... 
or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Now that's a lot of themselves. That Scripture is all about themselves. It's all about themselves. Jesus addresses this over and over and over again in His ministry. Because self-righteousness is deceptive. Self-righteousness does not reflect the glory of God, but rather it reflects the glory of self. And self-righteousness really isn't a thing. The only way I can begin to feel self-righteous is if I point to other people that I believe are less righteous, and then that makes me feel good about where I am. There's a group of people in Scripture that went out and they found a woman who the Scripture says was caught in the act of adultery. And surely, we're more righteous than she is. So we're going to drag her out into the street and cast her at the feet of Jesus to show just how righteous we are. This woman is a completely unrighteous piece of work. Look what she has done. And you know the, the Scripture says that Jesus knelt down and He began to write some things in the sand and He looks up at the group that was ready to kill this woman for her unrighteousness. They were going to stone her to death and Jesus simply says, He who is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. What He's really saying is, you're self-righteous. You've got a proud, this, this group of people that's gathered around me right now with... with just this, this, this bloodthirsty attitude to pinpoint and point out this woman's unrighteousness. You have a problem. You're self-righteous. There's another woman and she's a prostitute, the Scripture tells us. And Jesus is sitting in the home of very dignified people and He's having dinner and through the crowd comes this woman of ill repute and she walks past all of the muckety-mucks and she, she finds a way to the feet of Jesus and begins to wash His feet with her tears and, and wipe away the, the dust and the dirt with her hair. And people start to say things like, if He only knew what kind of woman she was, He would never let her touch Him. If He only knew how unrighteous what a dog. How dare she come in? Self-righteous. And Jesus stops everyone. He says, everywhere, everywhere that my message is preached, what this woman has done is going to be talked about. You're self-righteous. Those that were upset because Jesus would dare enter into the house of a man named Zacchaeus and have dinner. What? You're going you're gonna to go... Jesus, I gotta tell you, you must not know about Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus is messed up. Zacchaeus is, he, he's unrighteous. And Jesus is like, yeah, but you're self righteous. And I'm gonna go have lunch with Zacchaeus. Because at least in his state of being unrighteous, I can get through to him. And I can minister in such a way that changes his life. And I can bring about real righteousness. Amen. But you've got a problem. You're, you're self-righteous. Now, we, we went through this a minute ago. This was orange or orange. This was yellow. This was blue. This was black. This was purple. 
This was green, and this was white. Did I get any of them wrong? I got none of them wrong. All right, bear with me for a minute. If I do this without getting paint on my suit, that's a win. See, it tried to get me right there. Now what color is it? No. You said it was white before. So now what color is it? Now it's white. It wasn't really white before. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost already. It wasn't really white before, but because we had all these other things to compare it to, we thought we knew without a shadow of a doubt that we were looking at a white piece of paper. Isaiah, he comes into this scene and he walks into the temple and the Bible says that the glory of God fills the temple. And he sees God high and lifted up, sitting on the throne. And, and his train fills the temple and there's angels surrounding him, singing about how holy he was. And he sees something from a different perspective than he had ever seen it before. That's why Isaiah was the one to pen the words that we're so familiar with. Chapters and chapters later in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, when he says, but... We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Isaiah could say, listen, all this stuff that we call righteous, everything that we're so confident to label as right and pure because we're looking at everything else around us. He said, if you could only see what I've seen, if you could only encounter something that truly is righteous, all of a sudden, the, the, the things that we label as righteous with, with full confidence, without even, you didn't even hesitate to say that piece of paper was white. I wouldn't have had it. It's a white piece of paper compared to everything else around it. But then, then when we compare it to something that truly is white, now it looks dingy. And it looks dark, and maybe it, maybe it's gray. Maybe, maybe it got dirty. Maybe there's something wrong with it. Maybe it wasn't as perfect as we thought it was in the first place. So Isaiah, a man who probably would have defined himself as a righteous individual, walks into the temple just like any other day, but on this day, he encounters something different than he had in the past, and he sees God in all of His splendor. And he doesn't say, oh Lord, I'm so glad you're here to spend time with me because, because I'm a righteous man and, and we can now commune together. No, he says, woe is me! Ah! He starts freaking out because he finally realizes in the light of everything that really is righteous, I'm flawed. I'm messed up. I'm infected. I thought I was doing so good. I could stand in the door of the temple and I could with ease find 10 or 12 people that were worse off than I was. I was, I was righteous. No, Isaiah, you were self-righteous because your instrument for measuring your righteousness was flawed. 
It was flawed. Woe, woe is me. We sing songs about the coming of the Lord. I can only imagine, and we're all happy and we're smiling, what it's going to be like. I'm going to dance in His presence and I'm going to shout for glory. You know what I think is going to happen? And this doesn't go to uh, music quite as well. Maybe it's not as easy to sing about, but I think when those clouds split open, there's going to be a lot of people that go, woe is me. Oh man, I thought I had it all figured out. I, I thought I had it pinpointed. I thought I knew just what it was supposed to look like, but, 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 but it don't look like that. Woe is me. We don't, we don't use woe. He was scared. Woe, like trouble is coming my way. Like, woe, this is not good. Like, woe is me. I, I've got issues all of a sudden. Every time, see, we get it wrong sometimes. Every time in Scripture, without fail, that an individual encounters the angel of the Lord. So it's, it's God Himself showing up in their life in angelic form. The response is fear and trembling. And they fall down. And, and, and they recognize, see, I can't stand before you. I don't have the ability. Good people and bad people alike have the same response. Oh God, you're holy. You're righteous. I don't even dare look at you. And how many times does God have to say, hey, hey, peace, it's all right. It's all right. I've come to help you. I've come to minister to you right now. I've come with a message of hope. It's okay. Let the fear subside just for a minute. It's all right. But He's got to show up in all of His glory so that He can break through this mindset of self-righteousness. I would present to us today that self-righteousness is more dangerous than unrighteousness. Because like Zacchaeus, God can intervene in the life of the unrighteous and they're not trying to justify their actions. When, you, when you're living in a place of unrighteousness, you just know that you're unrighteous. You're not, when you lead, read through the list, you know, adultery and fornication and homosexuality, those people aren't like, I'm so righteous. They just know that they're, they're unrighteous. But yet sometimes thinking that I'm righteous is more dangerous. It's more dangerous. You, you are infected. There is unrighteousness within you. It's a blessing to know this without question so that you can begin to pursue a solution. But I don't, I, I, it's got to be driven home. It doesn't matter how long we've lived for God. It doesn't matter what position we hold or what our attendance chart to church says. You cannot produce righteousness within your own life. Let that sink in for a minute. I don't care how many hours you pray. I don't care how many times you read your Bible. I don't care what you do. You cannot fabricate righteousness in your life. You can become obedient to God and you can have righteous acts. You can make righteous decisions. But you will never, this side of dealing with flesh, be fully righteous. In the sense that you make no mistake. You do not falter. You do not sin. See, our relationship with God absolutely should cause us to sin less. The closer I get to God, the farther I should get from sin. 
And if I'm in, in this relationship with God for a year and I'm still meeting my drug dealer, then I've got a problem. I'm not preaching about sloppy grace and, and living lawlessly and just doing whatever I want to do. That's, that's not what I'm preaching. You're never going to hear me preach that message. But it does not make us sin less. We should sin less, but we will never be sinless. You're going to make mistakes, and that is the equivalent of unrighteousness. And no unrighteousness is going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. So what are we left to do? Once Isaiah was clear on his condition, he was prepared to receive healing instruction. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Scripture tells us that the angel came and purged his lips with a burning coal as a symbol of purification. I'm glad God doesn't still do it that way. When, when he recognizes, woe is me, he had no idea. Because here comes the angel with, without any word or explanation and he takes a pair of tongs and he reaches into the fire and he pulls out a hot coal and he starts making his way toward Isaiah. And Isaiah somehow had enough... Maybe he was just petrified and couldn't move. If that was me, I would be looking for the door. But something kept Isaiah there in the presence of God long enough for God to, to send that angel and that angel touched his lips. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I, I live among people that have unclean lips. And God sent an angel and he touched him in the mouth with this burning coal. And he says, because I've done this, your, your iniquity is now far from you and your, your sin is purged. There was a cleansing that took place that was not uncomfortable, to put it mildly. There was a purging that took place for your sin as well. And it wasn't comfortable either, but Jesus endured the pain of our purification when He hung on a cross. Now we have, uh, we have access to purification from unrighteousness through His blood. There is nothing outside of the blood of Jesus that is able to make you righteous. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't be nice to enough people. That's where Isaiah said our, our righteousness, it's, it's what we thought was white. We go around and, and we say things about people, well, they're a, they're a good person. According to what? And I understand what we're saying. But according to what? Oh man, they're such good people. Yeah, probably if we compare them to a bunch of other people. But in light of the righteousness of God, they fall so, so, so short. I desire to be a, a good person. But in light of righteousness, I'm still going to fall so, so, so short. I have to have the blood applied to my life. I've got to have the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that covers my sin. The blood is applied in baptism, the Scripture says, but it's also going to be needed many, many times after that. You know what's amazing about the blood of Jesus? It doesn't just go white on white. This was this was purple, right? White. Green becomes white. Blue becomes white. Black. Oh, nobody can reach. They're so far gone. They got so much junk in their life. They're so unrighteous. Not anymore. 
The blood of Jesus covers every sin, every fault, every failure. There's nothing you can do that can take you so far away from righteousness that the blood of Jesus cannot wash you clean and cleanse you 100%. It's the blood. We have to have the blood. Being righteous, it leads us closer to God, but we're still going to need the blood. Nevertheless, we're still infected. We've got to continue to live under the flow of the blood. It's still the blood that we're... That's an old message, but it's still a true message. It's, it's the blood. It's able to make any people righteous and cover any sin. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Come now. God is speaking. He says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like clemson, they shall be as wool. He said, I can, I can make you pure. I can make you righteous. I can make you righteous. You're infected, but there is a solution. There's some professional instruction that comes. More than that, there are restored interactions. There are strained relationships within our society between saints and sinners. There just are. There is a strained relationship. Sinners often approach those who have a relationship with Jesus. And let's just clarify this term saint for a moment. When the Scripture says saints, it's not talking about people who lived for God and were in the church for a while and they became a saint when they died. That's some man-made tradition. We don't label people saints after death. Okay? So all these religions say, oh, this is saint so-and-so and saint so-and-so. Well, you're saint so-and-so as well. Right now, while you're alive. Because the word saint is simply the called out ones. You've been called out of the world and placed in the body of Christ. You are a saint of God. Now, we don't walk around saying, I'm a saint. I'm such a saint. Because there's a negative connotation that's been placed on that. Why? Because worldly people, the sinners of our world, have, have placed this understanding on the saints that you're just a bunch of hypocrites. And so the approach of the sinners that we interact with is that the saints, the, the churchgoers, those religious folk, they're, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. But also, we as saints are to blame in this strained relationship. Because we approach those that do not have a relationship with Jesus sometimes as, as if we're afraid to catch the unrighteousness that they have. Guess what? You're already infected. You've already got it. So relax. You're already there. You're not going to catch it. There is a strain that this, this strain has existed since the days of Jesus' earthly ministry. In fact, it was incredibly extreme at this time. Because the Pharisees woke up every morning and they put on their big robes and they, they would walk through the city. And the Scripture paints the picture of, of the one guy who's standing in the synagogue and he's saying, Oh God! I thank you so much that I'm not like the dirt bag over there. Okay? I, I don't want to catch what they have, God. I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm not anything like they are. Liar. Self-righteous liar. And yet, there's this guy over there, and he's looking back at him saying, God, have, 
have mercy on me. But, but the mindset of those people was, I don't want to be anything like they are either. And there's this fractured, broken relationship. Jesus never addresses the mindset of the sinner vocally. He never approaches a group of sinful people and says, listen, you need to, you need to change the way you think about the church. You need to alter the way you look at, at the ministry. You, you, he never does that. Not, not vocally. But He uses both words and actions to flick the approach of the saints on its head. He's out there walking around, hanging out with the people that, that the church folk wouldn't spend any time with. Hey, he's pulling up a chair at their table. Hey, you guys mind if I sit here? I'm just going to have lunch with you if, you, if that's alright. What, what do you eat? Can I have some of that? And they're like, don't you know your people are supposed to sit over there? Yeah, I know, but you, you guys look like cool folks. I'm just going to, can't we just share a meal? And all of a sudden, there, there's, a, there's a restored relationship that begins to take place because he wasn't worried about catching what they had. He wasn't worried that someone was going to look across the aisle and say, oh, oh, Jesus is hanging out with them. He must, he must do the same things they do. See, Isaiah's encounter didn't stop at the blessing of Him being made righteous. This Scripture that we read, it did not stop when He was touched and He was purged and He was made righteous. But then, He soon after hears the heartbeat of God. As God says, Who, who can I send? Who, who would go? Who, who would go and, and deliver a message to those people? out? Who would leave the temple and go? And Isaiah says, Hey, 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 pick, pick me. Me, 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 me. Here am I. Here am I. Send me. I'll go. I'll go tell them. I, I, I'll take your message out there. Oh, are you sure, Isaiah? There, people might talk about you. People might say things. People might, people might think you're not righteous. Yeah, but I spent so much time thinking I was righteous. It doesn't matter. I realize now that it, it's only by the blood of Jesus. And I, I, I've already got what they've got. This is a hard message to preach because our mind wonders where, where are the lines of application. I'm not telling you to go hang out at the bar because that's where the sinners are. I've heard people take this so far to the extreme. I'm not telling you to, you know... I think you get it. I think you get it. But what I am telling you is that when they show up and you can still smell the bar on their breath, keep your face straight. Not, oh, oh, self-righteous. And they see it right away. When they come walking in to hang out and, and you've invited them over for dinner and you're building a relationship with them so you can tell them about the love of Jesus and when they walk in, they sit down at your, at your table, you can smell the reefer so strong. What's the matter? You didn't have a clean shirt? Self-righteous. Be careful. There's a strained relationship. And Jesus didn't tell them to fix their approach. He changed the approach of the church. He was a friend of publicans and sinners. What? Jesus, don't you know what you're doing to your reputation? <laughs> What's your problem? <clears throat> How comfortable are you in the presence of sinners? Something to consider today. How comfortable are you 
in the presence of sinners. How comfortable are they in your presence? I'm just, I'm just being personal. I came from so much mess. I'm, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable around people like that. What I really enjoy doing, I love church. God's presence can move in a powerful way, and He can do great things in His house if we get Him here. But you know what I really enjoy seeing? I like seeing the, the, the mindset of people change when I can get them out of the church and into my house. And I'm not in the suit. I dress my best for church. I believe it's an expression of worship to God. I, I want to come before Him and give Him as much respect as I can. And that's for Jesus, not for you. But there's something that changes in the mindset of people when they come walking in and you're just there in jeans and a hoodie. Hey, man, I'm so, come on, listen, make yourself comfortable. Just sit down somewhere. You know, you're not like putting towels on the couch before they sit down. Don't even invite them over if that's what you're going to do. I'm using extreme examples, but I think you catch the heartbeat of what I'm saying. We have all these little micro-expressions that communicate to lost people. Wow, you're so dirty. <laughs> you're, you're, you're so unrighteous. And you know what lost people have the ability to do? More so than, than saint to saint sometimes is, is look at us in our self-righteous state and go, you know, I can see some issues in your life too. But when you just get real with people, and you say, listen, man, I'm telling you right now, I'm not trying to be perfect. I, I've got some issues that I'm still working through. But God has done a lot of things in my life. And I've, I've, I've been where you're at. And He can help you. He can change you. There's, there's this thing called the blood. And I know that sounds gruesome and that sounds weird because we don't talk about it, but I could show you in the Bible. I could show you some things that could change your life. And I actually care about you right where you're at. And I don't feel like you're going to rub off on me and make me dirty. It's a, it's a mindset change. He volunteered. God didn't say, okay, Isaiah, now that I've done that for you, you stand up, you get your butt out there. You... That's not what he did. He didn't even talk to Isaiah. He goes back to talking to the angels. Okay, we dealt with that. That's great. Isaiah's good. Now who would go? Who could I send out among this people? And Isaiah says, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. His understanding of righteousness was altered by his revelation of a true measure. And it changed the way he viewed his own righteousness and the unrighteousness of those around him. When we get the measuring stick right, that's when everything changes. That's when everything changes. Sometimes it's easier to be comfortable around sinners than it is around other church people. Like we, we need to relax around each other too. Can I tell you something? I don't expect you to be perfect. Strive for perfection. Do your best. But I hope you don't expect perfection out of me either. We come together. How's your day going? Oh, it's great. I read 777 verses of Scripture today because seven's God's favorite number. It's like, cool. I read some Scripture too and then I had a bad day at work and ended up saying something to the customer that I shouldn't have. Hope that's okay. 
you know, but we don't, we don't tell those stories. And so from the outside looking in, when I'm a guest walking through the back doors or I'm somebody that's trying to make my way into a community of believers, we don't ever tell that part. So they're looking around saying, I know that customer you were working for. They told me what you said. You're not as perfect as you look. Listen, it's a small town, okay? We just gotta, we've gotta relax. God does not expect perfection. He knows full well that you cannot obtain perfection. I hope I was clear enough earlier in telling you that I'm, I'm not preaching about sloppy grace. When you premeditate sin, you've got a whole nother issue. When you make plans, I'm going to do these things that are wrong and God will forgive me later, that's another message for another day. But when you're just walking this thing called life and something happens and you stumble a little bit, the Scripture says that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And I can go back and say, God, I messed up again. Lord, I, I, I was doing pretty good. Man, I had about two or three days there. I was on a roll. And, and then I just I, I slipped up a little bit. God says, that's okay. I, I've still got some blood. Look at there. White as snow. White like wool. He's able to cover it. I'm going to close. We're going to have a time of prayer. I'm not even going to mess with that. I don't think it got to working. I want to give you a chance to pray today. I don't really know how to close a message like this. I could close and give you an opportunity to repent. We could make application. Maybe there's something you need to take care of today. I could close with a call to action. We need to go out. We need to reach those that are in need of, of the message. Reach those that haven't heard about the blood of Jesus. But really, as I prayed about that and I considered it, the Lord just he brought me back to the Scripture and He said, I did all of them. With Isaiah, it, it, was, a, it was a quick encounter. So if there's something that you're dealing with, you've got something in your life today, don't leave without making it right. If there's known unrighteousness, in your life, repent before God. I'm kind of serving. Every person here has been baptized in the name of Jesus. So you've already taken that step. So you have access to call on God in a prayer of repentance and have His blood applied to your life today. Just as easy as I can paint these stupid pieces of paper, God can cover your sin and you can leave here changed through a prayer of repentance. If I've been preaching and God has maybe pricked your conscience regarding the mindset of self-righteousness, you can make that right too. Take your eyes off of everybody else around you for a few minutes and just really focus in on who He is. Begin to measure yourself according to a true measure of righteousness and your perception will change. And ultimately, as you stand and, and get ready to leave this place today, I, I hope you would leave with a mission to interact with those that are lost, to love those that are lost, not to condemn or to push away those that are, are not like you, and to do so with a very intentional heartbeat that I, I want to tell you what I've experienced. I, I'm not, it's not like me and you. I, I'm in the same boat you are. 
But I found this, this thing that I can apply to my situation and it does make me righteous. You know what righteousness boil down righteousness? Right before God. You're right before God. You can't be right before God without the blood. I'll give you time to pray. <clears throat> I feel like I could kind of yammer on, but I believe the Lord's talking to us today. I know we normally have music to drown out the the prayers, and it seems a little odd to lift your voice and think that maybe your neighbor can hear you, but, but that's okay. Just talk to Jesus today. God, we've got to have you. You're the only thing that can change our situation. Every shortcoming. Every time I think I got it right and recognize there's there's more distance to go. <clears throat> Help us, Lord, to have the right heart. Pray, Lord, that there would be a willingness to, to repent even right now. If there's sin. If there's things that I'm doing that are displeasing to you and maybe I don't even recognize it because I'm, I'm not measuring according to the right tool, then Lord, reveal it to me. Help me to see you in all your splendor. Change my perception, God, of what is right. Oh, Jesus. If I carry myself in a way that's, that's self-righteous. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to fergusunited.org. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes. Thank you very much and we hope you have a great week. God bless you.